Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning. Morning, those of you that are with us online as well. I hope you are uh, enjoying your morning. Uh, good to see you guys. For those of you that I can see, the lights are pretty bright, so I can't really see everybody. But uh, glad you're here. Uh, this week, and I don't know if you uh, if it kind of watch, have seen some of these videos. Maybe you've even seen this one. But this week, I was watching uh, a video in a, a YouTube or somewhere, and a video popped up. Uh, of a guy sitting at, uh, just looked like a, a, a diner, wasn't really a fancy restaurant, was just some, you know, just probably a local diner, and uh, somebody had the camera placed so that you could see his conversation with the waitress. And so the waitress came up and, and it seemed to be really polite, probably did a great job for the family, and the guy said, hey, I want to give you something. And uh, he says, I, he says, how big is the biggest tip you've ever been given? And she's like, well, I think it was probably about $100. And, and she was a, a single mom, and she was actually pregnant with another baby. And, and uh, through the conversation, that came out. And he said, well, I, I want to do something, but you got to promise me one thing. Uh, I, she said, what? And he said, I want to give you a $1,300 tip. And all, all you have to do is just, just give some of it to the cooks. And you can imagine this girl uh, who was really surprised, obviously, and almost immediately, and you could see the camera on her face, almost immediately you could see emotions welling up in her. Uh, you could see her. She started to tear up. She said, no, no, you don't ever have to. No, sir, you don't have to do that. And he's like, no, we want to do this for you. And, and I, I read a little bit more about it, and, and this girl, man, she had been given this. She had been going through a, a tough time. Like I said, she was a single mom and was, had another baby on the way. And, and so she was, man, it, kinda, it was real helpful to her. And, and so she took, gave a few hundred dollars to the cooks and then was able to use that money to kind of help her. And, and as I watched it, and maybe you felt this way as well, you watch things like that and they inspire you. I mean, it's like, man, what would it be like to, to be on either end of that one, to, to be the guy that is actually like, man, I want to bless you so crazy and, and be a help to you and give you $1,300 or man, being on the other side of it, if you've ever been a waiter or a waitress, somebody to give you that type of a tip, what, what man, would just be awesome. And, and the thing about generosity, and, and you know this, it seems to be one of those things that every single person involved is blessed. So obviously the person that's receiving something generously, man, that's a, it's a blessing to them. Uh, the person that is actually giving is, man, they're blessed by being a part of, of helping someone in maybe a big or an extraordinary way. But also it's inspiring to people that see it. It, it inspires people to give. And if you've been here the last few weeks, you know that we've taken a few weeks at the beginning of the year, and we have been walking through some of the things that we value as a church. 
And one of those values is the value of generosity. And when we say generosity, here's what we mean. When we say, hey, we value generosity, here's what we mean. We are generous because we follow the example of Jesus, the most generous person in history. When we say we value generosity and when we talk about generosity as a church, here's what we're saying. We're saying, hey, man, we, we, we want to be generous because we happen to follow the person that was the most generous person in the history of the world from, from our perspective. And so if we're his followers, then we should value generosity. But, but here's the thing. When we talk about generosity... It, it, it applies to money some, but it's much bigger than that. So this, you're like, oh, man, I got out of bed in the rain to hear a message about money. What, are, what am I doing? I wish y'all need to tell us about this before I get out of bed. No, you know what? We're, we're not going to talk about money because money is a real small part. And we do talk about money at church, but, but we're not because generosity as it relates to money is honestly a really small part of generosity. And if you read through the life of Jesus, here's what you, unless I miss something, you will never see a story in any of the Gospels or any time that Jesus is talking where he pulls his wallet out of his pocket and rolls out a few hundred dollar bills. Like You, you will never see in Scripture Jesus handing over a bunch of cash. But yet we say that he is the most generous person in history, and we want to follow his example, and here's why. Jesus, as you read, and if you know anything about history and you read, he was probably at best like lower middle class, and, and, and more than likely probably even, he was probably kind of poor for a lot of his life. So he wasn't a, a rich guy that was, man, giving away a bunch of money or a bunch of possessions, but yet you look at him and he inspires generosity because he gave the greatest thing he had to give. He gave his life. And so as we talk about generosity, yeah, it applies to money, but man, it's honestly a lot bigger than just writing a check. We follow a guy that literally gave his life for the world. And so when, when you think about generosity from that perspective, it, it kind of brings up a couple questions. And, and these are a couple questions that I was thinking about myself this week. And there's a personal question, but then there's also a question for a church. And the first question is, is pretty obvious. Like, am I a generous person? Again, again, money is part of it for sure, but man, it's way bigger than, than money. Like, am, am I if, I, if I think about Jesus and how Jesus, man, he gave so much of himself to other people constantly, am I a generous person? But then the, the second question is, is kind of applicable to the whole church. Like, are, are we a generous church? Are we, and again, bigger than money, are we, do we follow the example of Jesus well? Because generosity is, is not a result of, of being the most talented. It's not a result of having the biggest bank account. Maybe you've, you've, in your own mind, maybe you've said things like this. Well, man, if I had as much money as she had, I'd be generous too. Or if I was as talented as that guy, oh yeah, I'd do stuff. I'd help people. 
And, and maybe we've looked at generosity as like, man, that's for the people that are ultra talented and man, they can help a lot of people that way or, or they're the person that, man, they have the big bank account and they can, they can help a lot that way. And, and generosity has nothing to do with being the most talented or having the biggest bank account. Generosity is about seeing my life as a gift and using it for the good of other people. That's what generosity is. It's about seeing what I have, my gifts, my talents, my finances, my passions. It's about seeing those things as a gift from God and using those things, leveraging those things, not for myself, not for my own benefit, but to serve and love other people. And that's what Jesus did his entire existence on earth. If you have your Bibles, or you can look up at the screen, we're going to look at a, a passage of scripture in Ephesians chapter 4. And Ephesians was written by a guy named Paul. It was written about 2,000 years ago. And, and, and Paul was writing it to a group of people that he had spent several years with. This actually may have been the group of people that Paul spent the most time with. So these are great friends of his. These are people he helped start a church in their city. Ephesus was a, 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 just a, a huge city with a lot of culture. And so they lived in an important city. They were great friends of Paul. And so he writes this prison epistle where he writes from prison and he's and just cares about these people deeply. And for about the first half of his letter... He kind of reminds them of some of the foundational truths that they know and that he's taught them about their relationship with God. And so he, he uses the first half of the letter to kind of remind them. But then what he does in kind of the last half of the letter is he says, okay, because of what we believe, because of what I just told you, these things that we, we know about, here's, here's how this practically, like, it works out in your marriage. This is how it works out in your work relationships. And, and he kind of gives some real practical advice in the second half of his letter. And in chapter 4, which is in that second half, he, he uses his, man, his influence and his friendship with them to encourage them to use their life, their words, their gifts to serve God and bless and be generous to other people. Look with me at, at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. It says this, Therefore I, the prisoner in the Lord, so Paul's literally writing from prison, I urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received. And so Paul, what he says up front is he says, Hey, you, you've been called to something very special. You have a relationship with God, and I, I want your manner of life to match your calling. I want you to live a life that matches the great calling you have on your life. And then he goes on and he, he kind of talks about that. He says, I want you to do it with humility, with gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And so he, he starts the second half and he's like, guys, you, you've been called to so much. You, you have a relationship with God. You have been adopted by God. You're his kid. And I want to urge you 
to live a life that's worthy of the calling that you have. And I want you to do it with humility. I want you to do it with gentleness. I want you to to be known for unity, building each other up. And then he goes on. And and what he does is he he wants to remind them of, of, of why they're so unified, why they should be unified. He says this. He says, there's one body, there's one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling. So he, he uses the word one several times. He wants to remind them, hey, you're part of one body. You, you've, you've had, you know, you have one Holy Spirit that indwells you. And he wants to, to remind them of all the things that unite them. And man, if this, I mean, we're 2,000 years away from this when he wrote this. But man, this is as pertinent today as, as it was when he was writing it from prison. I mean, the, the world tries to show us all the reasons we should be divided and all the things that are different about us. Where Paul was saying, man, you, you still got one spirit of God in you. You're part of one body. You have one hope, man, like you're hoping in the same things. You're going to spend forever with each other, so you better be unified. And then he goes on, he says, you have one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Basically what Paul's saying is, man, you are Together, and you're a part of something way bigger than just yourself. You're a part of a, a body that's, that's a big body. You're, you're a part of a, a bo- the body of Christ. You're a part of, man, a, a movement that Jesus started. And, and yes, there's people all over the world, and they're in different places, different cultures, but it's, a, it's one body. It's one spirit. It's unified. And, and he reminds them of, of how, man, they, they're part of something way bigger than just themselves. And here's what you know, maybe you've experienced this, but nothing kills a spirit of generosity like disunity. And again, I'm not just talking about money, but nothing kills a spirit of serving each other, of unselfishly giving of ourselves to help each other. Nothing kills that faster than disunity. And so as Paul is about to talk to them about their gifts and how to use them to serve each other, he reminds them of, man, that they're a part of something bigger than themselves and that there is a a unity that's so important that they remember that's much bigger than all the things out there that that the world's telling them should divide them, that they're one. And then he goes in and he begins to, to point to them about some of the specific ways that they have been gifted and how they're supposed to use those gifts to serve each other. He says this in verse 7. Look at verse 7. He says, Now grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So here's what he's saying. He's saying, hey, if you have a relationship with Jesus then you have been given, and he calls it a grace, you've been gifted. You've been given divine enablement. You've been given ability. We call it spiritual gifts. One of the things that 
when you make a decision to follow Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, one of the things that happens to you when you become a follower of Jesus is he gives you spiritual gifts. And, and, and they're different from natural abilities. Obviously, every one of us has natural abilities. But Jesus, what he does, he grants us spiritual gifts when we begin a relationship with him. They're not earned It's not like, well, if you are a varsity Christian, you get these spiritual gifts. If you're a JV Christian, you get these. Like, it's not a, it's not like a level, not like, hey, this is the great gift. This is the, eh, if you haven't really done well, you're going to get this gift. Or, hey, once you get better, you'll get a better one. No, you're, you're given gifts, but he gives you these gifts so that you can use them to serve. They're not gifts to benefit yourself. They're gifts to serve others, different than natural abilities. Some of you have incredible, we, everybody does. You have natural abilities. And if you have natural abilities, for the most part, we use our natural abilities for kind of our own benefit. And all natural abilities are not created equal. Like there are some natural abilities like, man, if you have this ability, it's a lot better than if you have this one. For instance, I know we got some athletes in the room. If I am 6'2", and I can run a 4-240, and I'm really good at catching footballs, it's probably going to help me more in my future than an ability to tie a cherry stem with my tongue. Like, like again, it's, you know, I'm sure it's pretty impressive at a party to be able to tie you know, the cherry thing with your tongue, and that's cool. But if I am that fast, and I'm that big, and I can catch footballs really well then probably that natural ability, it may benefit me more in most settings, you know, than being able to tie a cherry stem with my tongue. Like all natural abilities are not created equal. Like there's definitely ones that you would rather have that you might envy that other people have than maybe even ones you have. But, but spiritual gifts, every spiritual gift is important. It's highly valued. There's not one that's like, wow, this is, like I said, like these are like the big dog Christians and these are the like, eh, they're still in like beginner class. No, like all of them are important. They're created equally and they're created so that we can generously serve other people. Paul, he, he talks through a few more things in verses eight through 10 and then he comes back to this idea and he, he says this in verse 11. Look at verse 11. He says, and he, talking about Jesus, himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. So, so part of God's plan was he gave the church that one body. He gave the church spiritual leaders and encouragers. This was part of what God's plan was. But those spiritual leaders and encouragers have a very specific role. And he tells us what the role is. He says this in verse 12. He says, those, those people are to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Why? To build up the body of Christ. So he says, hey, he, and, and back then the churches were probably like in the house. So people probably weren't, you know, coming to a big building. That, that wasn't 
it, it wasn't like today. It was more like, hey, we're going to get together at a house, and that was kind of their church, and they had maybe a pastor and that, you know, maybe a few other leaders. But Paul says, hey, God's gifted every single one of you. Some of you, he's given pastoral gifts. He's given some of you evangelist gifts. He's given some of you teaching gifts. And, and those that have those gifts, those that are kind of gifted to kind of lead in the church setting, your role is actually the JV role. Like if anybody in the church has the JV role, it's actually you guys because your job is just to equip all the varsity players to go play in the game. Like so so you 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 leaders, you pastors, you you like your job is to just fan the flame and provide training and help the other people use their gifts for the work of the ministry to build up the body. And he, he reminds you, maybe, and maybe you, maybe you uh, grew up in a setting where it was like, I don't have to tell people about Jesus because we have a pastor. Or you know what, I, it, it, or you know what, that's the, we send some money to some missionaries overseas somewhere, so I think that checks that box for us. And so I, and maybe that's kind of how you grew up, where what Paul's saying is actually that the gifts that God gives you, and he's given every one of you gifts, the, the, the leaders in your church and those people in your church, their, their job is just to help you use those to build up the body. And man, I, I, I am so thankful for our church. And I, I say this all the time. I literally said this last night to someone. I said, you guys, and I meant it 100%. I said, you guys are way smarter than me. I said, I actually have the easy job. And I was talking to some people as they were helping with setting up the new location. There's so many of you guys, some of you watching online, and if you call City Walk Home, that man, I watch you use your gifts and passions to serve this community, to love this community, to serve other people. It's, it's incredible. Yesterday, I was over at Edgewater, and, and it was the very first day that we backed the trailer up, and we unloaded, and I watched, I watched little kids, literally. I watched preschoolers on the team with their mom and dad, and everybody, like all different ages, unloading stuff and setting things up and praying and getting excited about this room filling one day with people. And it was just awesome to stand back and watch exactly what Paul's saying happened. People using their gifts, their passions, their concerns for their community and actually doing something about it. And it was on display yesterday. It's on display here at church even this morning. As we're, we're in here, there's some people that love kids and have a gift to teach and encourage kids that are pouring themselves into our children, not because it's like, well, they kind of make me do something. It's like they love it. It's what they're passionate about. And they want to use what, how God's gifted them to serve other people. And Paul, he... he reminds these people in Ephesus that, man, the, the goal of this is building up the body. He, he goes on and he says this in verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. He's, and basically what he's saying is, 
what, what the goal of this whole thing is, is that we generously use our gifts to serve other people with the goal being everyone becoming more like Jesus. Building each other up because, and, and I think you probably know this, we need each other. We, we not just need, like we desperately need each other. If I'm going to look more like Jesus, I need people in my life using their gifts to serve. And, and when I see that happen or when they serve me or help me, it helps me look more like Jesus. And, and that's what Paul's saying. This is what the church should be. It should be all these people that have been given gifts by God. And they've been given gifts by God, not so that they can build their own platform or, or, or make their own thing, but they've been given gifts by God to primarily use those gifts to help other people around them look more like Jesus. And he said, that's what this thing's about. He goes on in verse 14, he says, then we, and I like, he doesn't say I, he says we, we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunningness with cleverness in the techniques of deceit. Basically, man, when we do this, when we serve each other, when we build each other up, when we help each other become more like Jesus, it keeps us from wavering and being tossed around because we don't know what we believe and, and we're kind of back and forth in our life. It helps us be stable. When we do this, and, and if you have gone through a time in your life where even in the midst of a tough time, if you're surrounded by people who love you and love Jesus, and they're using their gifts and passions to kind of encourage you, even in the midst of a tough time, it's just, there's just a difference than if you're trying to go through that tough time alone and you're like, I'm just going to work harder. I'm going to just buckle down and fix this thing in my life. The body of Christ is a beautiful thing. And Paul reminds us of that and how generously we can use our gifts, not for ourselves, but to serve others. And he, and he ends this, this kind of section by saying this. He says, but speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him, Jesus, who is the head. Christ is the head of the body. And he says this in verse 16. From him, the whole body fitted together, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. He basically ends this section by saying, hey, Jesus is the head. And the way this thing works and the way this is healthy is when every individual part does their job. While every individual part serves the body well. And if you've, if you've ever been on a team, and we probably all have. You've been on a team at work, you've been on a team in sports, maybe you've been on a team in, in some other way, but, but if you've ever been on a healthy team where everyone on the team knew their part 
and they knew where their gifts were and they weren't intimidated by other people on the team that were better than them in certain areas. They knew the lane they were supposed to run in. And if you've ever been on that team where people like that, they, they work together towards something. It's beautiful. But you've also maybe been on a team where, man, there were some really gifted people on that team, whether it was a work project or a, a sporting thing. And man, yeah, talent-wise, man, there was tons of gifts and there was tons of potential. But everybody on the team was kind of going for theirs and was using their, their potential and their talent really to build themselves up. And there wasn't a lot of unity. And if you've ever been on that team, you understand why Paul is saying what he's saying. Because a healthy team, a healthy body, all the individual parts know their place and they work not for their own, they work for the health of the whole body. And that's what Paul's saying here. He's saying, hey, when this thing works properly and every individual knows their gifts and uses it to serve and love and promote the health of the body, man, this thing's unstoppable. And that's what Paul's trying to get at. Whether you knew it or not before today, whether you're, maybe you're online or you're, you're here with us this morning, you may not have known this before today, but when someone becomes a follower of Jesus, like I said earlier, they have, they're given gifts. They've been, they're, they're given gifts, and they're given gifts to serve other people, to build other people up. And, and these gifts are not gifts that are hidden. These gifts are not gifts given by God for their people's personal benefit, but they're given, just like I've said, to generously share and build up the body. So maybe you didn't know that. Maybe, maybe you, uh, you're a follower of Jesus and you didn't realize that. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus and you didn't know that. and You're, you're just hearing it for today. But, but here's, with, with that in mind, I, I want to ask you a few questions that I think will help us really practically apply what Paul's saying. So here's the first question. And it, it's, it's a question that kind of is the, the beginning uh, of this thing. It's, do you have a relationship with Jesus? So you may be watching online, you may be listening to this on a podcast later, or you're here this morning with us, and, and we're talking about how, man, when we start a relationship with Jesus, some things happen, and one of those is we're given spiritual gifts. Well, kind of the starting line, and maybe the first question to ask yourself is, hey, do I have a relationship with Jesus? Not do I go to church not, have I been baptized? No, no, no. Has there ever been a time in my life where I admitted to God that I had sinned? That I, where I have admitted to God that, you know what? I've done things my way, God. Has there ever been that time? And, and then I believed that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave for me. Has there ever been that time where I have admitted that to God and I believe that Jesus died and rose from the grave for me? And then has there ever been a time where I've just asked, God, I want to, based on that, I want to start a relationship with you. Come into my life and save me. Has that ever happened? Have you ever made that personal decision? It's not a decision that if your dad made it, you're kind of, you kind of get in no, no, no. It's personal. Uh, my grandpa, I think he was a pastor. It doesn't matter. 
It doesn't matter if your grandpa was a pastor or Hitler. It doesn't matter. It's a personal decision that you have to make. And so the first question before we even go on and talk about maybe how you're gifted is, hey, have I ever made that decision? And that would be a great place to start. Whether you're here or you're watching online, starting a relationship with Jesus. But then the second question is this. Do you know what your spiritual gifts are? You're like, huh, I think I can run fast, Chris. Well, that's one of those natural abilities. I I did think the cherry thing, Chris, I thought that might be mine, but now you tell me that's a natural ability. So, So do you know what your spiritual gifts are? Have you ever maybe taken a spiritual gift assessment where you could kind of, and, and then they're not perfect, but, but like it kind of tells you, hey, these are probably your gifts. And here's why this is so important, because let's put it back into the money thing. If you're going to be generous with your money, it's probably important that you know how much money you have in the bank what bank it's in, like you, you need to know about your money so you can be generous and use it. If you don't know if you have money and if you have money where it's at, then it's going to be hard to, if God lays something on your heart to be generous, it's going to be hard to do that. Well, if you're not sure like where your gifts are and how to develop those, it, it's going to be harder to use them generously to build up the body of Christ. And, and so If you don't know, and I would encourage literally every person here to do this, in our app today, if you open up the app and you go into the announcements, there's a spiritual gift assessment that you can take electronically, and I've taken it. A lot of us have already, even this week, have taken it. It takes just a couple minutes. You fill it out, and it tells you, hey, here's the two or three spiritual gifts that, man, based on how you answered these questions that are probably, like, yours. And so just go into the announcements and click that spiritual gift assessment and you can take that time. And and I would encourage you, whether you're 17 or whether you're 97, that you would go in there. It's also in the sermon notes at the bottom of the, in the app today, go in there and, and take that spiritual gift assessment and you will, it'll be an encouragement to you. And it also might be some eye opening because it'll tell you, Hey, Oh, man. Oh, that's why I have passion for that. Oh, that's why. Okay, I've always thought I kind of was wired that way. And it's just cool to, it's cool to see. So go in there and it'll help you know what gifts God's given you spiritually. And then the last thing is, where can you use your gift to serve the body of Christ? If you find out, man, these are some areas that I'm gifted in and And if the the whole reason that I'm given these gifts is not really for my own benefit, but to build up the body of Christ, like, where can you use your gifts? Where can you use your gifts to build up and serve the body of Christ? And and here's what you'll find. And and some of you, you already know this. I could pass a microphone around and, and you would give testimony to this. When, when you find out kind of where you're gifted and you begin using those gifts on a regular basis, those are some of the best days. Some of the best days are when you are doing what you feel like you were made for. And you're pouring yourself into an area that, man, you just are passionate about. You're made for it. 
And, and even if it's like, man, it was a nine-hour day and I was involved in this thing, you might be physically tired, but it's almost like you're physically tired, but you're energized on the inside when you're using your gifts and when you're doing what you were made to do. And on the other hand, and we've all done this, if you're in a spot and you're doing what you're not made to do, good, to, thank you for being faithful. And, and yeah, we all have to do that sometimes. But you and I both know, man, I can spend a half hour doing what I'm not made to do and be more exhausted than spending eight hours doing the thing that I was made for. And so it's important that you and I know, man, how has God wired me? How has God gifted me? And then find outlets in your church, in your community to use those gifts to serve other people. And it will literally be some of your best days. And again, I, I love watching it at work in our gathering. I love watching people in their gift areas and just seeing stuff happen. I saw my friend, I'll call him out. I saw my friend Brandon come in today and I was talking to Jacob, a new guy that's at our church. And, and I saw that this summer with Brandon when he taught at sports camp. So Brandon was the only person that taught at both of our sports camps. And it was like, man, this guy's really good at this. Like he's made to do this. I, I watch some of you out front that you just have this gift of hospitality. Like you set people at ease. You don't even have to work at it. Some of you have leadership ability. Some of you technically, man, God's just gifted you in ways. And when I watch you use your gifts and I, I can just stand back, it's just, it's awesome to watch. And so I want to encourage you, take that spiritual gift assessment and then find a place to use your gift, not for your benefit, but so that the body of Christ is better and people are becoming more like Jesus because you are using the gift God gave you to build up and serve the body. And, and you and I, and I say this a lot, but you and I will never regret following Jesus' example. You and I will never regret following Jesus' example uh, and being individuals and a church that lives out the value of generosity and literally gives their life away to something bigger than themselves. And, and here's the thing, and this is the last thing I'll say and then we'll pray. We're not waiting for the bank account to get bigger. We're not waiting to have gifts that we don't really have. Like, oh, once I got more money, once the lottery happens, or once grandpa dies and I get that big money, what's that is terrible to think about. But yeah, you know what I'm saying. Oh, once I get the raise, I'll be generous. Well, my Bible says when you're faithful with little, you'll be faithful with much. That's what my Bible says. So probably when grandpa dies, you probably won't be more generous. Don't wait. Don't wait till, man, if I had the gifts that he has, or man, if I could do the things like she does, man, I would get involved. I would make a difference. No, no, no. God has wired you in a very specific way. And he said this, he says, I have a good purpose for your life. In fact, before the world began, I already knew what that purpose was. I had good works laid out for you. Use your gifts. To serve the body and you and I will not regret it. Because generosity is about using 
what God has given me to serve others. Let's pray. You may be watching online. You may be here this morning. Maybe listen to this later on in the week. No matter where you're at, just with every head bowed and every eye closed, can I ask you those three questions again? The first one, again, just real personal. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Has there ever come a time in your life where you have personally said to God, God, I admit to you, that I've sinned, I've disobeyed you. God, I, I believe that Jesus died and rose from the grave. And, and God, I, I, I want to have a relationship with you. Come into my life and save me. Have you ever done that? Have you ever done that personally? If not, then that is a great starting place. Just right where you're at, right where you're watching this, right where you're listening to this, just tell God that. Just between you and God, just, just pray. And, and praying to God is just telling God what we believe in our heart. Just tell God, God, I love you. I admit to you I've sinned. Just tell him, God, I, I've disobeyed you. I've tried to do things my way. Just tell him. Then just tell him, God, I, I believe. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. I believe that he rose from the grave for me. And then just ask, God, based on those beliefs, would you just come into my life? I want a relationship with you. Save me now. If you're here this morning and, and today you made that decision, or if you have questions about that decision, you can fill out a little decision card. It's right in front of you. And if you'll take it to the next steps table, we actually would love to give you a new Bible and, and talk to you about that and give you some things to help you in your relationship with God. So if you made a decision today to start a relationship with God, just stop by the next steps table and we'd love to get you a Bible and, and kind of help you along. But that, the second question I ask is, do you know what your spiritual gifts are? Because have you ever taken the time Maybe nobody's even talked to you about it. If not, I, I want to encourage you to take that assessment. Literally take it. Some of you probably already did it while I was talking. Uh, but take 10, 15 minutes. Knock it out. And it'll, it'll give you some great insight. And it'll be a blessing to you. But then the last question is, hey, where can I use the gifts that God's given me to serve his body? And I would encourage you to ask God that question. No matter where you're gifted, no matter what you think you have to have or not have to, to be a part of what God's doing, God's gifted you and he wants to use you. And so how, how, would God, how could God use you? Where could you get involved and use those gifts to build up the body? And in a, in a few weeks, we're going to talk about some opportunities at the church. We're going to talk about some opportunities coming at Easter where there's actually going to be some opportunities to serve in some new ways. But, but don't wait for that. Man, if you have a question about somewhere you can serve, man, go to the Next Steps table. We'd love to talk to you about it. God, I pray that today we would be encouraged 
that you loved us enough to not only give us a home in heaven, not only give us the Holy Spirit living inside of us to to encourage us and teach us, but you actually gave us gifts to use to build up your body. And and when we're using those, Lord, we're, we're so fulfilled and it's exciting. And Lord, I pray that you would help us clarify where you've gifted us. And God, I pray that each person here would find a place in your body to use the gifts that you've given them. In Jesus' name, amen.